Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. And over the next couple of weeks on our podcast, we are highlighting the multi-teacher studio. Now, there are many different business models for collaborating with other music education specialists. Today, episode 106, my special guests are Kristen Coffee Rondeau. She's a wonderful voice teacher that's been on our podcast. And flute teacher Sarah Robertson. Now they have a very unique partnership. They have branded Sand Dollar Music, sharing the administrative and marketing efforts without a brick and mortar location. A very interesting conversation. Now, before I welcome them onto the podcast, I want to let everyone know that today's episode is brought to you by the Private Music Teacher Planner and Agenda. If you are planning to have the best year in your teaching studio, well, you want to check this book out. It is 200 pages of organizational bliss. You can take care of and plan your professional development, recitals, keep track of your wait list and inquiries, as well as your students' progress. There are weekly and monthly calendars, as well as lots of pages for inspiration and lesson planning. It is available worldwide on Amazon and it is only $24.99 US. So now on to our wonderful conversation. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast. I'm talking today to Sarah Robertson and Kristen Coffee Rondo. Ladies, welcome. How are you? <laughs> hey, <I'm> good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so lovely to speak to both of you. And um, I want to thank you uh, for your time because uh, I know that I'm talking to not only savvy business women, but also busy moms. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for getting the sitters and making all the arrangements to talk to me today. I so appreciate that. Um, today, we are talking about your unique collaborative, what would we call it? collaborative arrangement what what do you what do you call sand dollar music <laughs> we just call it a collaborative teaching studio, studio yeah. I, think I love it yeah. I love it uh, before we dive in too <laughs> <laughs> before we dive into talking about sand dollar and I'm so excited um, as you know we're doing a series of episodes that are talking about the multi-teacher studio there's so many different ways that we can set up um mm -hmm. Uh, lesson studios and some of them work beautifully some of them not so much but you guys have an amazing success story but before we get started I want to give everybody an opportunity to get to know both of you now Kristen you've been a guest on the podcast before so I'd love to let Sarah get started so Sarah give us a little background on your musical and teaching experience sure so I, let me think, I graduated from, from undergrad in 2002 and went straight to Peru where I taught music for a year. Wow. And then when I came back, I took a position at a private school in Dayton, Ohio as a classroom music teacher. And, um, depending on the year, I was either a classroom music teacher or a choir director or band director for seven years. And during wow. that time period, I, um, earned my master's degree from Wright state university as well. And I got married in 2011 and couldn't balance being a band director and a wife. It was super hard. Sure. <laughs> so I decided, you know what, I'm going to teach lessons. And I have always taught lessons on the side, but it was never a full-time gig. Um, and so I did that for a while and worked at various studios in the area. And then Kristen and I met and we started Sand Dollar. So that's kind of how we came to be and my, how I fell into it. Uh, now, when you were teaching uh, privately on the side, were you, uh, mm -hmm. were you working out of a, a, a teaching studio at the time? 
Yeah, either kids would come to the band room and I give them a lesson or there were a couple of local studios that I would go to after school. So you have experience working with multi-teacher studios. Okay, we're going to talk about that today. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Kristen, uh, give everybody give everybody your story. I love your story. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, you know, bachelor's and master's in vocal performance, been singing all my life, um, been teaching since college in various configurations and, um, yeah, it, sand dollar just sort of came about, uh, out of necessity. We were in a, in a, a place of transition and it was the right thing at the right time, but yeah, I've, I've always, I've always been a singer and all of my adult life I've, I've been a teacher and. So I, I love combining the two. I love it. I love it. Now, how did you two meet? Sarah. <laughs> we, well, we had both enrolled our, our little toddlers in a music for young children class. Oh. And I walked in. Well, I think I actually saw you in the parking lot. Chris and Kristen were in the parking lot with their little girls. And I came in with Landon and my baby. And our little children interacted together through music class. Mm-hmm. And that's how we met. But it was, I mean, it was at a studio where we were yeah. both teaching. Oh. So we were, we were, we were both teaching at a multi-teacher studio, but our paths had just never crossed. Yeah. And I didn't then know she was teaching there. We, we both enrolled our kids in this class and then that's actually how we met. But, and then we realized like, oh, you work here. Oh, I work here too. <laughs> I bet you had some gossip about working there. No, we were both friends with the owner. Oh, okay. So yeah. we, we were on, we were on very good and still are on very good terms with the owners. So, uh, yeah, no, there was nothing, nothing salacious, nothing. Uh, I was, I was terribly intimidated by Sarah because for, for those who can't see her, she has this gorgeous red hair <laughs> and I have, <laughs> I have a long standing thing for red hair as a child. Sarah has heard the story a hundred times as a child. I would pray that God would turn my brown hair red Wow. and God never did. And so the next best thing, of course, was to get a very dear friend who has oh red hair God. that I can enjoy. <laughs> but I thought, she's just so cool. She'll never talk to me. She didn't want to be my friend. And oh my I was gosh. wrong. Oh, I mean, she's very cool, but so she didn't want to talk to me. funny. No, I was just in a very serious state of isolation at the time with, with young you know, just a baby. And mm. we all go through. I shouldn't say we all do, but I was going through postpartum depression and, um, she was just so kind and came up to me and started talking and I was like, Oh, maybe someone will care about me. <laughs> oh, wow. And she gave me a baby carrier and we became friends after that. <laughs> as soon as you share baby gear, there's a bond, right? <laughs> it's a bond. As soon That's as. That's like cement. Yeah. It's as... relationship cement. Yeah. For women, if so... you, if you share any kind of good baby gear you are friends for life I I certainly I'm thinking of all the gear that I got and who gave it to me and how treasured they are (laughs) well now when you started talking about collaborating together in a teaching model did you come to the table with this is what I want and this is what I don't want or was it kind of a well let's just kind of see what happens kind of situation it's, it's been a minute. So I'm not, I'm not really sure. We were both, um, in a place of transition. So we had been working together for about a year prior because, Mm -hmm. um, we, we had directed a show together. Mm -hmm. It's like Sarah was the director and I was the music director. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had had some, some other ways of, of collaborating, kind of getting to know each other and figuring out like, how do we work together? And, uh, and, and this studio where we were both teaching kind of hit a transition point and we were both sort of professionally and personally in transition points. And so, um, it, it became apparent that it was, it was time for us to, I, I think we were both planning on leaving, yes, not, yeah. not on bad terms. No. It was just time to move. Yes. Um, and I think we were trying to figure out, well, what does this mean? Do we go work for other right. people? And neither of us wanted to do that. Right. Um, cause you know, I feel like we all sort of reached this point career wise where you're like, I, I've. I've seen this done a million ways and now I want to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Not that that's not that that's better or worse, but for the kind of client that I want to serve, this is what I want to do. And this mm-hmm. is the model that I want to build. And so I, I think, I, I don't really remember how it happened. I think we just sort of tossed around ideas of we did like what, what would happen if we tried this? Yes. Yeah. I had my foot in the door in, in a lot of local multi-teacher studios and 
I didn't have a problem with any of them, but I didn't necessarily want to go back to any of them. So mm-hmm. we, I was like, okay, we, I don't know, let's try something. What, what, what can we do? What can we try that's different? Mm-hmm. So I don't think we came with the approach of this is what we don't want. It was just, mm, it's time for something new. Do we want to try this or not? Yeah. And then we just sort of built it as mm-hmm. we went along. We knew that we wanted, we loved, uh, at, at the time I had just, um, I had just met Michelle Marquardt DeVoe mm-hmm. and, and she had introduced to me this idea of the boutique studio model. And that was revolutionary for mm-hmm. me. This idea that your value is not in your numbers, but in how you served the, 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 the clients mm-hmm. that you have. And and I remember, we, you know, we talked about that a lot and like, yeah. what if we build this really small, mm-hmm. but really focused and intentionally, and we don't take every student that comes our way. We take the ones that are the right fit that we can serve really, really well. Mm-hmm. And that for me, and I think for you too, probably Sarah, that was a very freeing idea yeah. of like, we don't have to say yes to everyone and burn ourselves out. Right. We can say yes to a few people and give them a really, really great service. Mm-hmm. That's I love that conversation. I love how so many teachers are, are like you said, moving away from, I'm going to teach everybody and anybody and be a jack of all trades too. These are the students that set my heart on fire and I will do anything for them. And I can't wait to see them every week. And, Mm -hmm. and I love that. I love that conversation. And I love that so many people are embracing that now. Uh, for for our listeners, um, Sand Dollar Music is not set up in a retail space. You're working out of out of a home, kind of. Yes. <laughs> so explain to everybody how that works, because I think that's that's a helpful bit of the of the story. Yeah. So I think everybody, and I think we did too, Mm -hmm. you know, like you have this idea of like a multi-teacher studio, you need a brick and mortar location. Mm -hmm. And that's daunting because most home-based teachers, like we don't want that liability. We don't want that expense. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and you look at the numbers of like, what would I have? Oh my gosh, what would I have to do to like, I don't want to be working just to pay rent. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's such a stressful thing for people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think that, what, what we decided early on was we're going to go as low overhead as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we think money is going to be in our systems. Mm-hmm. So investing in things like acuity, investing in a website, um, investing obviously in, um, good marketing materials, continuing yeah. education for us, that sort of thing. Um, and not worrying so much about the overhead of a physical location. So what we did was we, we we're technically two distinct studios mm-hmm. that we have co-branded. So we mm. share, we share marketing materials, we share mm-hmm. a website, we share acuity, um, and that sort of thing. But physically I have a, I have a home-based studio. My basement mm-hmm. has been converted into a full studio. Um, and then Sarah, you can talk about what yeah, you Yeah. I was asked by a local school district to come in and teach their flute students. So I go to two middle schools and a high school and do pull-out lessons, band pull-out lessons. So when they're in band, they come out once a week for a private lesson with me. And then I teach after school lessons to kids in that district too. And then I have a uh, a friend who's a violin teacher and she leases a studio space and I sublease from her and I go there once a week to teach kids who are not in this specific school district. So it works really well. Like I don't, the, the schools are so warm and so welcoming and they appreciate having, um, the, the support base of a private teacher. And then with the, the sublease, I'm just there once a week and pay once a week rent. So it, it's pretty easy. That's well, it's such a modern model, really. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, we're not looking at the, like you said, Kristen, the brick and mortar space. Yeah. yeah. But the difference is, uh, because I'm fortunate to have a very large home studio. So we still, we do monthly studio classes together. Oh, I Mm -hmm. love that. And everybody meets here sort of as like the home base. And then we do all of our recitals together and that sort of thing. So there, there still is very much this community feel (laughs) like her students and my students know each other. They follow Mm. each other on Instagram. They support each other. Like we're very intentional about building a community between our studios. Mm -hmm. um, Even if, they're not sort of seeing each other week in and week out as they're going in and out for their lessons. Right. That is so wonderful. Now, when you do recitals, uh, Sarah, you're teaching flute, uh, Kristen, you're teaching Mm -hmm. voice. Uh, what a unique recital. Like what it's, it's, 
that's so that's so unique. Do you sense that the audience is appreciating and the students are appreciating this? Well, they love it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We get so much positive feedback. My flute parents will often thank me for the vocalist being incorporated. Mm. Let's let's be honest. Nobody really wants to sit through an hour to an hour 15 of flute music, especially when, <laughs> you know, like they're they're sweet little sixth and seventh graders. So having like a sweet little vocalist be interspersed in between the flute lineup. Like it's, it's such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> and I actually, I always ask my students at the end of recitals when they come in. So like this week is the first week after recital. And I'll be like, what was the favorite piece on the recital that you heard outside of your own? It's always a vocal piece. <laughs> it's always like pulled or something. Right. Oh my goodness. And then uh, I want to flip that around. So Kristen, do your, do your students appreciate the seeing the flute and, and, and hearing like the instrumental, like, do you get that feedback as well? Totally. And I think for, for my people doing the joint studio classes has been a huge benefit because I, I didn't even realize this flute embouchure is pretty similar to how we think as singers. And I didn't, I did not understand that either before meeting Sarah. And, um, so like we were doing, we were doing a studio class together mm -hmm. and Sarah was working with one of her, one of her flutists. And she was, she was reminding them like, you've got to raise your soft palate. You've got to keep your soft mm. palate lifted. And it was so funny because eight different singers, <laughs> I see eight different heads turn around and look at me like, oh, she said soft palate. <laughs> And I'm like, too. yes, they have one too. Wow. <laughs> and they want, they want to create that same space that we're thinking of. Um, yeah. but it was very cool because the flute flute world talks about it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So for my singers to hear it's, it's the same idea, but we, we discuss it in a slightly different way. We, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's really good. It's really good reinforcement and it gives them another angle, uh, and another way of understanding things. And I think, you know, anytime, as singers, our world is often very insular. Mm. And anytime a singer can break out of that and listen to other musicians and mm -hmm. start thinking like a musician yeah. holistically, I think is a really important thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all that to say, all that to say, yes, the, the combined studio events are, are, are really wonderful. Yeah. I, I love that you guys also do that workshop class. How does a workshop class work with the, with the two studios coming together? So it, from a basic standpoint, they come with a piece, they play it, we workshop it. Let's fix this. Let's do this phrase, whatever. Get some positive feedback from their peers and then work through all of the kids that way. Um, we do mix it up some months. And like if I'm unavailable on a day that Kristen is available, we'll have to do separate studio classes. And in that case, like we might work on flute ensemble stuff, mm -hmm. um, pretend we're a flute choir, uh, do <laughs> sometimes we do rhythm games mm -hmm. either. Yeah. Collectively or if we're doing individual studio classes that month, um, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think, you know, this is an, one of the reasons studio classes are so important to me is because we're, you know, we're training performers, but we're also training audience members. Oh, True. yes. And we're training people to be a, um, a, a supportive audience. We're training people to be thoughtful in how we offer critique and in how we offer support. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, a lot of times we try to be really intentional about like, this is how we give feedback. This is how, yes. this is how you listen for something. And if you, if you have a suggestion, this is how you frame it in a helpful way, not a hurtful way. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I, I think all of us who work with kids and teens, especially oh, yeah. we're not just training musicians, we're training people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And classes and recitals are a really great way to reinforce. This is how we behave towards one another as humans. That's true. We forget about that. I, I've, I, uh, I find it frustrating sometimes, you know, at recitals when you see, you know, the, the younger siblings that have been given a device to keep them entertained. Uh -huh. And it's like, no, no, no. The entertainment is on stage and there's a lot going on there yeah. that should be keeping their attention. So I, I love that we're, we're working on that with our students when we, when we let them see others perform and stuff. So I, yeah. I love, I love what you said there. Now I wanted to talk to Sarah for a moment. Um, so Sarah, uh, when, uh, mm -hmm. you, when we were getting ready for this interview, um, you work with, you call them baby flutes, which I think is, 
I think that's so sweet. But you're actually working with very young flute students. Can you just kind of talk about that? Because uh, most most of us learn flute. I think the, the I think I was in grade seven. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So so tell tell us a little bit about the 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 program for the younger kids to learn that instrument. Sure. I use a method called the Blocky Flute Method. It was created by Kathy Blocky. I'm actually going to her certification course this summer, so I'll become a certified Blocky Flute teacher. But I have, ever since college, used her method books because I love them so much. And she creates them for young flutes. And thanks to the invention of the curved head joint, Mm. and then there's a company called Nouveau Flute. They create little plastic flutes. Um, that are like half the size of a, of a real silver flute and they're very, very lightweight. So my little four and five year olds can hold them. Um, so we use that specific method book along with lots of games, often games quite similar to the ones that you create. And I use yours too, um, (laughs) within the private lesson studio. And we just, we just conquer the flute that way. And as they get older and they mature, usually by the time they are eight or nine, they can hold a full size flute and we transition to the full size flute then. Um, but with the, with the blocky method, we learn how to do group classes. And I do already teach group classes, but it comes with this whole, um, uh, this, a a very in-depth curriculum that I'll get Mm. to implement. So I'm really excited about that. So in the fall, you'll probably see our Instagram explode with a bunch of four and five-year-olds in a group class. (laughs) Would you say that blocky is to young flutists, what full voice is to young singers? Oh yeah. That would be a very good comparison. Yes. I've wondered Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. I, at least I, in my studio, what full voice is sure, singers. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that there's all these new resources for educators that can get children at a younger age involved. And how fun. I mean, I also love, I mean, our piano colleagues, they do the off the bench activities. Yeah. They're making it yeah. fun. It's play based. And then mm-hmm. same thing with, with our singers. We need to embrace the exploration and the play. But I, I did not know, I was not aware that now the the flute is, is embracing those, those philosophies yeah. and that opportunity. I think that's so incredible. Sarah's an ORF educator too. Nikki just did her, her, you did ORF or Kodai? I did my Kodai. You did Kodai, yes. But so Sarah is very much a creative play-based educator as well. Mm. Yes. So much. Thanks to my classroom music days. Yeah. Um, And actually a wonderful, well, Stephanie, it's S-U-P- E-R-L-E. Oh, oh. Super Lee. Wonderful Canadian lady. Okay. <laughs> she, she, uh, do you know her? I don't. Is she in the ORF camp or is she in the Kadai camp or? No, she, she is a blocky flute person. Oh, okay. Um, so she received her certification and she works with a bunch of blocky teachers in Ontario. Oh, wonderful. Um, but she, um, just created a, a flute collective basically made up of a bunch of us teachers who teach little flutes. So this is what our group is called little flutes. And it's, it's a support group for all of us. And also we have a resources page. So all of these wonderful teachers who teach very young flute students, um, can share their, their materials that they've created. And so kind of like teachers pay teachers, but for flute teachers, brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) it's so fun. And I love it so much. And it's international. We have people from like Finland and Norway. It's, it's pretty cool. That is so brilliant. Okay. Here's my question. So in the flute world, do other teachers uh, shame you for teaching the littles? Is that a thing or is that just limited to our industry? (laughs) And I'm leaving that on the podcast. That's a fair question. I feel like not so much now. No, I don't feel that from from my colleagues. Did that used to be a thing? I feel like it was like when I Mm. was young. I started when I was seven and my parents took or like received a lot of questions. And my dad's a, a professional musician as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he, know, he, as he had a really hard time finding someone who would teach me mm-hmm. at seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally he did. And he had like, he had found the curved head joint. And so he was like, I know this is what you need. And we found a teacher who would do it. But I remember that being very challenging. No one would take me mm-hmm. at the age of seven. Very I interesting. I don't see that as a problem currently or present day. 
Yeah. Well, I love that 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 with the again with the right resources and the right approach, there is no reason why we can't be in introducing wonderful instruments and the voice to young young musicians. So, uh, thank you for that. Now, I have some I have some specific questions. When you first started working together, what were some of the first challenges that you had to work through with your with your teaching model? I I remember social media was a challenge. Social media was a cha- yes, okay. Yeah. Yes. So, um yeah, because I think neither of us really knew how to market. Right. Mm. And um, I mean, when I when I first started out my own private studio in New Mexico way back in 2007, I didn't I didn't have a Facebook page. I had a website. I didn't market on Facebook. Instagram wasn't a thing. I was marketing on Craigslist yeah. and having weirdo weirdo strangers come into my home. Do not do that. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. Don't anyone do that. But I did, but don't do it. Um, but you know, and so like we haven't we we didn't really and then we started working for mm-hmm. other people, so we didn't really have to do much marketing. True. And then yeah, so we knew we needed a Facebook page, we knew we needed a website, but what really made a difference mm-hmm. for us was Sarah had the prescience to get us on Instagram. Oh, Instagram. <laughs> and I, Nikki, I was such a jerk about it. I was like, I don't want to learn. I don't want to learn a new platform. I'm busy. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm 487 years old and I don't internet. Um, but, uh, you, you were absolutely right. Sarah's point, And she was spot on was that our students' parents are on Facebook, but our students are on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're also, they're also on Snapchat, but we're not there yet. No. Um, but, and, and you were so right. And mm-hmm. I think one of the, one of the brilliant things is Instagram has given us a, a way to sort of communicate as our studio mm-hmm. with our students, um, in a way that's not creepy or overly personal, that's True. Yes. but it still gives us a way to very publicly shout them out mm-hmm. and brag on them. And, um, and the, and the lovely thing is that now we see our students following each other yeah. on oh, so Instagram. They're supporting. Yeah. Exactly. And they would, and you know, and it's a lot of different school systems and homeschoolers, like yes. they wouldn't know each other except for sand dollar. Yeah. And so it's really fun to see those relationships taking off through social media. That was not your question though. Your question was <laughs> difficulties. <laughs> yeah. That we faced in the beginning. Um, I think figuring out logistics, like, um, who do we want to play for our recitals? Oh, Where do we true. have our recitals? Oh, how yeah, do we, yeah. how do we format these things? How do we just basic, mm-hmm. um, communication things, billing, you know, just studio logistics. Yeah. Even, even this, Oh, it's not a soft, even the system we used for scheduling. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what we went to or what we were using before acuity, but it wasn't working. And I had parents who were frustrated and poor Kristen was on vacation and I was texting her <laughs> on vacation. Like my oh. parents are going to quit. I don't know what to do. And so she set us up with acuity, which worked a lot better, but <laughs> it was a very stressful summer <laughs> before was, we started that fall. It was tricky. It was really tricky. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey podcast listeners, Natalie here to talk to you about auditing your website. A studio website is your hardest working employee. It's working around the clock, showing visitors persuasive ad copy and encourages them to sign up for lessons. However, your website's only persuasive if it's displaying up-to-date information. This means that you need to schedule some website audits throughout the year. Regularly updating your website keeps your content fresh and gives visitors a reason to keep coming back. Even small updates show that your business is still active and provides a way for people to join your teaching journey with you. Regular updates can also help with where you appear in search results. Search engines, such as Google, love fresh content. Keeping up to date or adding new content means you're less likely to slip in the rankings. So, the first tip is to start or continue to share studio events and news on your website. For those of you that don't have one, consider a studio blog. The content for a studio blog is super easy. It can be as simple as periodically sharing studio events, milestones, and student accolades. If any of your website's pages include links to other pages on your website, make sure the links are still current and valid. You don't want to be linking to a non-existent page. So, if you have any offers or registrations available on your website, make sure they are removed when the promotion is ended. The same goes with external links. If you've linked to another website in the past, be sure the link still works and update is necessary. Does your website still look aesthetically pleasing and modern? Is it easy to navigate? Do a quick run through of your site and make sure that it's something that attracts your target audience and flows well. 
The content on your website should consistently be reviewed to ensure everything is up to date and your website puts your studio's best image forward for the world to see. Make it something that you check at least quarterly. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at www.mymusicstaff.com. Stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. Because because Sand Dollar Music is a unique collaborative uh, studio, um, what other challenges? Do, do, do parents get confused to like... When they come to your website, they're like, okay, there's flute lessons and then, and then there's voice lessons, but they're because parents would be used to the old school models. Yes. Do you have yeah. to deal with inquiries like what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think we have to be really, you know, anytime you know something and it's and it's second nature to you, you forget I have to really spell this out for people. Yeah. Um Jen Wenham, the the fabulous copy editor friend of ours. She, she said something once to me that was just so brilliant. She said, you know, when you're writing copy or when you're communicating with a client, you cannot expect people to connect the dots for you. Mm, that's a and, and I tip. think as, as any studio owner, business person, whatever, we have to remember that when we're communicating with clients mm-hmm. or potential clients, we have to be over the top clear in what we offer, what we expect, mm-hmm. call to action, how they can work with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, mm-hmm. Because what is what's second nature and commonplace to us is brand new to them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think sometimes people do get a little bit confused. Sometimes I get mm-hmm. messages of like, but where are you located? Yes. The location, I think, is at least on from my studio perspective, the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to Kristen's point though, because I assume in my head, they understand they're going into the voice studio for studio class, which is in Kristen's home. I remember one parent came last year and she was like, I totally didn't understand that it was a house. I was looking for a business. I said, I'm so sorry. I wasn't. So I had to learn to be very clear in my email Mm -hmm. communications. And for me personally, I don't meet a lot of my parents' students because I do band pullout lessons. Mm. So often the first time I meet a student's parent is at studio class or a recital. So I have learned over the past couple of years to be very clear in my emails, please come into the studio so I can meet you. And you can see that this is a safe place to leave your child that, <laughs> uh, because oh, I don't meet them otherwise. That is, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because there is, yeah, there, there is a piano teacher at the, my son's school and parents love mm-hmm. the convenience that it's a pull out. They get pulled out of class, mm-hmm. but I don't think many of them actually know her name. Right. <laughs> and and then uh, and I've had a few conversations where parents are like, "Well, we're not we're not really happy with the, what the lessons are." And I'm like, "Have you actually gone to the lesson?" "No, we can't." And I'm like, "There you go." And then I oh, leave it yeah. there with a smug look sure. on my face. <laughs> and and maybe a judging eyebrow. <laughs> Um, but, uh, okay. No, that's, that's a great point about communicating and, and again, reaching out and making parents feel and understand what, what is happening. Thank you for sharing that. Do you ever have, um, uh, Kristen, do you ever have like vocal students who are like, you know, I'd really like to learn the flute now and vice versa. I have some of Sarah's students yeah. have reached out to me. I don't know that I don't know that it's gone the other way. I don't think so. But I mean, we we strongly encourage it. I think mm. siblings have. Yeah, some of like your vocal mm-hmm. voice students' siblings have siblings taken have. lessons. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and we just we just brought on um, an additional voice and piano mm-hmm. teacher. So I I have. He and I will have some students who, as we develop that end of the model, who will do both voice and piano for sure. Wow. Right. Um, so, yeah. So we do have some back and forth, but not, not no, a ton. Not. Was, it, um, was it difficult setting up your website with this model? Nikki, that was all Kristen. She was the website genius. <laughs> no, I was not a genius. I I cried and swore she through the did. whole thing. Oh, Sarah, can I was be super so frustrating. <laughs> what? I said I was super unhelpful. You were very encouraging. You cheered me on. Yeah, it was. Um, I I would say for anybody who's thinking about this, just save up the money. 
<laughs> save up the money and hire Jen Wenham to have you write her, your copy, <laughs> to help you write your copy and hire, hire somebody to legit build your website for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because doing, doing it yourself is a pain. Mm-hmm. If you, if you can swing it in your budget to, to get somebody to help you write your copy and mm-hmm. to get somebody to build it for you. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, it's fine. It is what it is. But if you've got that wiggle room in your budget, do yeah. it. I would say I'm very proud of our website and Jen's work with, with Kristen. Um, our website is, I have gained two students just because of our website. Mm. Their mom called me and said, I was blown away by your website. (laughs) I didn't do it, but I'm so glad. (laughs) And then I took a flute class this summer and the, the instructor asked if she could use our website as an example, because she was so blown away by it. So I will say I'm, I'm really happy with that copy. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very good. pleased with it. Like I joke that I joke that writing your own copy, um, it's like having a baby, except it takes longer and it hurts worse. Mm. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it is painful to write about yourself. It's so hard. It is hard. Um, and, and it makes all the difference though. I, we've all seen the very bad examples of copy Cause yeah. it's yeah. literally your yeah. copy, your yeah. copy should, your copy should attract the student that you most want to work with and it should deter the people that you don't. So again, uh, yes. with the, with the, with finding the right words and, and first of all, you have to know what you're offering and what you want to give people. But even mm-hmm. then putting the right words together is so challenging. So yeah. mm-hmm. But, but if you have a great website, oh my gosh, it'll serve you 24 seven. It's true. That's right. It's true. Yeah. And I think, you know, speaking of knowing who you want to work with, I think another difficulty we faced was ideal client mm-hmm. and because we had both sort of come, I think you used to call it the pay your mortgage students, mortgage Nikki. students. Yes. Yeah. And I think we had both sort of come from that idea of like, you don't turn people away. You, and, yeah. and so, you know, narrowing down our ideal client who we most love to work with and who we serve the very best and then giving ourselves the freedom of Mm -hmm. this is what we do rather Mm -hmm. than just sort of a y'all come type model. Yeah. That was scary, but it was very freeing once we really stepped into that. And then we realized there is an abundance of those people, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, our dear friend Michelle says this all the time, right? When you get really, really clear on what you want and who you want to work with, that's when people can find you. Oh, absolutely. How, how do you both kind of share the workload for your administrative duties? How does that work? Like, does one person have certain responsibilities and the other person does this? Uh, Kristen, you, you took the reins on the website. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So how does that work with your administrative duties? Kristen had to teach me how to use the accounting app and the scheduling app. Okay. But now we both handle our own. So it, uh, and, and, and this is a distinction that, um, is, is probably different from your typical multi-teacher studio. Our finances are separate. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, uh, be- because it is two distinct studios operating mm-hmm. under the same brand. Right. Um, so Sarah does all of her billing. I do all of my billing. And then, um, if there are shared expenses like recital venues mm-hmm. or that sort of thing, we, we just split that 50, 50. Yep. And then are you, I guess you're just in, in communication with your students only. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then how does it work for the, for the studio classes? Like when, do, when you do them together, how does that work? Is it just Kristen, you, you talk to your people, Sarah, you talk to your people and you just meet. Yeah. You mean like in telling people where to go? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, I think we both send out group emails and we send out group emails and then I don't, we just work really well together. Like all the kids arrive and one of us takes over and the other, I mean, kind of like this podcast, we just (laughs) fill in each other's blanks. (laughs) I love it. And we both we both will, um, make comments on both flutes and, and vocalists. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah, I, like I, I want, I want my students getting your feedback. Like yeah, I, I, I trust your ears. So, and you're a singer too. Like I, I get the benefit of your boat. You're, you're a very well-rounded, you're a, a more well-rounded musician than I am. So you offer my students a lot more than I can offer your students. I can, I can be like, your intonation's better than it was last All month. Right. <laughs> 
but that's a, you kept a steady beat this time. You know, like no. I can't really offer a ton to your people, but you you give my people a whole but, lot. But you do though. She does. She gives us some great people. She's very encouraging and affirming. Mm. And I think receiving that from another adult outside mm. of your teacher is super beneficial to the students. Sure. They always like hearing it. Oh, I think that's so true. That's so true with hearing from other adults. Um, you know, that uh, even just when my students work with the accompanist and she tells them yeah. the exact same thing <laughs> that I have been telling them for a month. And they're like, oh, yeah, Nikki never says that. And I want to lose my mind, but reaffirm it. Uh, yes. Yes. This happens all the time. Yep. Okay. Now I want to, um, I want to split things up because you guys cannot leave until... Now, the warm up of the week. Warm up of the week. But I want, <laughs> I, wa <laughs> I want a warm up from both of you because Sarah's probably got with all of her experience. And like, I want to know what you do with your little flutes, oh, with okay. your baby flutes. So okay. uh, I'm going to let Sarah go first. So, Sarah, what's, what's a fun warm up that you like to do with your kiddos? Okay. So it depends on the age, but my high schoolers, we right, I rotate because nobody likes to play the same warm up over and over and over again. Right. Um, but right now they're all working on, uh, Dr. Terry Sanchez's epic flute warm up, And I love that warm up because it covers long tones. It covers chromatic scales. It covers vibrato harmonics, Ooh. uh, double tonguing. They get it all in a 13 minute warm up. Whoa. So, it's it's a really cool warm up. We love that one, and it's fun. Can you give um, can you give me a link to that? Sure. That I could share sure. on the podcast page. That would be wonderful. So that's for your yeah. teens. Yeah. Okay. So for my littles, Kathy Blackie um, has little five note patterns in mm. the back of her book. So the kids learn the first five notes of every key before they graduate from the first book. Oh, nice. And so as the book progresses, the key obviously progresses. And so their warm ups are those five note patterns. So they do them on whole notes and then half notes and quarter notes and then eighth notes. And um, we'll mix it up where I'll be like, let's do the one, three, five. What did we just create nice. an arpeggio? And we, yeah, we just try to make the warm up as fun as possible based on the five note pattern. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, Kristen, warm up of the week. Dun, dun, dun. I, I don't know why this is so stressful for me, Nikki. Why? But um, I, I don't know. Um, I love, and I stole this from my teacher. I I'm sure it's a common one. I only know it because I've done it with my teacher for 10 years now. Um, I like, it's like five, six, five, six, five, four, three, two, one, but it's on B. So it, it helps get that sort of musical theater snarl, mm. but it also works. Um, it also can work coloratura if you're using it for more of a classical technique. So it's, it'd be like, B, bum, bum, B. And that buh kind of helps to sort of get that sense of rolling the sound oh forward. Mm -hmm. um, but then towards the upper extension, again, it's really great for, for it's like a beginning coloratura exercise for people who need to learn to move the voice a little faster too. Hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Do you, do you change it from the B? Like, do you ever vary the B and use other like consonants or Sometimes vowels? I use... Yeah, sometimes I use key or um, ka. Ah. Uh, it just, you know, sometimes you just kind of get an instinct for like this, this singer needs to do that. I mean, you can use it on any consonant, any vowel, you know, mm. bowl, bowl is a really great one as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, any, any, any mm. vowel, any consonant for it, I think I just like B because of my how it feels for my voice. That's just like my go to warm up. Mm. Um, so I like what it does for me. But yeah, any any configuration can work. I love that. I love that. All right. Now, before you both go, um, I have just a couple more questions. And I, again, I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, if you. there was, if there's teachers out there that are thinking, yes, you know, this is the kind of teaching model that might work for me. Um, do you have any, do you have any guidelines that you would offer in getting them started? Like, where would you, what would you tell them in getting this type of, online collaboration, like how, how would they get started? I think that this would not work with everybody. Mm. Just, uh, some, um, 
Dave Ramsey often says, you know, the, the only ship that won't sail is a partnership. <laughs> uh. um, and I, I will be honest, partnerships are tricky. Mm-hmm. And I, if you, for us, I think the thing that made it work was that we, we had not been friends for long. Yeah. We true. had only been friends for about a year, mm-hmm. but we had been through the crucible of some stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we had been pretty cemented in seeing each other in high, high stress, high pressure situations. We trusted each other's pedagogy. We trusted each other's ethics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and just who we were as people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think if you're going to venture into something like this, you, you need to know, of course, that you trust that person's musicianship. Um, but more than that, that you just trust who they are and how they live their lives. Um, Sarah is someone of, um, unquestionable moral character. Like she is, she is a light in our community. She's someone that I have the utmost respect for just not just as a pedagogue, but like as who she is, she's somebody that I'm proud to be affiliated with. Mm. And I think that, um, there's a sort of iron sharpens iron thing of, if Mm -hmm. you're going to work this closely with somebody, it better be somebody who's going to make you better. And somebody who you are very, very proud to be associated with, who you do not have to make apologies for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also finding somebody who there's a sense of humility. I think one thing that mm-hmm. Sarah and I both do well while we're bragging on ourselves. Right? <laughs> um, we're so humble. But we love we I think we really both love collaborative work. I think like we would much rather do duets than solos. Oh yes. Um mm. we it, it's you know, so, some people are meant to be divas and some people are just meant to be ensemble mm-hmm. folks. And mm-hmm. we, we do very, we can both have our diva moments yeah. where we can step into the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we do that just fine. But I think we really love shining the spotlight on each other mm-hmm. as well. And we love shining the spotlight on our students. You know, we like sort of creating those opportunities for other people to shine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so for people who are thinking about getting this sort of dynamic, finding somebody who um, we'll also, we'll, we'll, you can shine the spotlight on each other and there's this sort of sense of give and take. Yeah. I, love that. I think those things are very important. What do you think? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I also think it's very important. And in the beginning, I was very clear, um, that I didn't want this to affect our friendship. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't do technology. <laughs> so anything that's technology based, you're going to have to teach me. And, and she did. And she, and Kristen has given so much more of herself and her time from a technology perspective than I have, because she's had to teach me everything after she like te- learns it herself. Um, and she took the reins on the webpage. So I know she's given a lot more time than I have from a technology perspective, but I do try so hard to make up for it. Oh my gosh. In, in, in other so ways. many ways, of course. <laughs> but you have to know someone as, as Kristen said, know someone that you love and trust in and not that this has ever happened in our relationship, but be okay. If you feel like you have, if you are giving more than the other person, um, because it's not going to work. Dave Ramsey also says that you should never go into business with family, um, or, (laughs) you know, or close friends. And it it is, yeah, it's so true, but Kristen and I have made it work. And I think it's because we both, we know how, oh my goodness, I almost made through the whole thing without getting teary eyed. (laughs) Um, we both know, each other's strengths and weaknesses and we can help build each other up. Um, when, when the other one needs, needs a boost during a very busy season. So we, yeah. I think also getting as much in writing as you can be really clear with expectations, Mm -hmm. contracts, you know, um, Mm -hmm. contracts. Sometimes we get really uncomfortable around like, Oh, I don't want to put the, I'll just, you know, a handshake Mm -hmm. and a smile, just trust the best of people. Um, when you, when you put it in writing, it sets people up for success Yeah, mm-hmm. because it just lets everyone know these are the expectations and, and this is how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I mean, like you said, being really clear about this mm-hmm. is what I will do, what I will not do, what I'm good at, what I'm not good mm-hmm. at. And, um, that way there's no way somebody can go back and be like, well, you didn't tell me this. I didn't know, you know, like expectations are fulfilled when we know what they are. Right. Right. When they're clearly, defined. I think another thing we did well was keeping billing separate oh, too. Yeah. Um, and, and now we do like, we, we have to go 50, 50 with like venue rentals, or we just bought cookies for all of our little, our kiddos. Um, but because we know each other and we trust each other, we know that the money's coming, like it'll come through PayPal tomorrow kind of thing. And I don't think that everyone would have that kind of relationship. You certainly wouldn't want to have to, uh, die a friend or like have a friendship die over finances. Right. And we've never had that issue. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, when you, when you were coming up with the model, 
for sand dollar music. Did you model this after something that you had learned about or were you modeling after another type of setup or did you just kind of say, let's try this new thing and I've got an idea or were you inspired by somebody else's business model? It was Kristen's genius. No, <laughs> no I, I, I think I just, I, I wanted to work with people I wanted to work with somebody that I trusted and I enjoyed being around. I didn't want to be the boss, but I also right. still wanted to be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. and I, I think this really strikes a lovely balance of neither of us mm -hmm. is each other's boss, but we're both still very much in charge. Right. <laughs> it's true. No, that's, it's that true. brings up a good point, right? Some people don't want somebody telling them what to do. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and I think a lot of people, you know, you reach a point in your career where you're like, I cannot work in a multi-teacher studio anymore. Like I, I don't have that in me for right now. Mm -hmm. And, and I need to start my own thing, you know, and then, and then decades later, sometimes you, you, you want to go back to that model because you don't want to handle your own billing and your own schedule. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I di different models work for different seasons of life. That's true. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Is there anything else you would tell the listener who is thinking that perhaps this type of collaborative partnership might be their next step in their uh, business journey? Anything else you wanted to give people? Trial and error. Mm. It, it will be. The, the, whatever your first iteration is, you're going to have to change it. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you did yeah. it wrong. Yeah. That means that you got the information that you needed to make it better. Right. Um, and I mean, we, we've, we've, it's only been two and a half years, but we've mm -hmm. really evolved a lot. Our policies have. have evolved. Yep. Um, and then I, I think, uh, not, not being afraid to be really clear in your priorities and in why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And you have to know it's going to involve a lot more time outside of the studio than if you were at a multi-teacher mm. studio because you were doing all the work for yourself. Mm -hmm. How often do you, do you guys have staff meetings to how often do you? Every, every Tuesday morning. Every yeah. Tuesday morning you connect, you talk about what's going on in the studios and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes there's not a ton of business stuff to talk. Sometimes we just talk about our students. That's true. And, and it's, it's really a lovely thing because working with teenagers is working with teenagers, whether yes. they're singers or flutists <laughs> or pianists. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, yes, you know, was Nikki, a long day. you do it. It's, uh, and, and so having, there are plenty of times where we just sit down mm -hmm. and go, uh, this student's having a really hard time and I don't know how to support them. Yeah. Um, and that is just as valuable mm -hmm. as this student can't play a scale and I don't right. know how to support That's them. True. That's true. <laughs> or sometimes we'll get together and practice if oh. we don't have admin stuff to do. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now, are your policies the same? Or do you have separate policies for, like Kristen, do you have your policies for the voice students and vice versa? We have... Blanket studio policies. Yeah, we do. Okay. And that is, we, we, we want to have a united front there. Now we say it's a blanket studio policy, but we do have to go in and take out all the voice stuff and put flute. Right. But okay. otherwise, <laughs> word for word, it's the same. Okay. Yeah. And, um, we, uh, we do, we want, I mean, even though it's two distinct studios, we want to be as consistent as possible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there are, it's, it's a, it's a, a template that we use and then we can mm -hmm. modify it as needed. But yep. yeah. Okay, that's a that's good to know. What's next for Sand Dollar Music? You've been doing this for two and a half years, and you've got you've had some success with this model. Well, not some. You've had a lot of success. Where do you see this leading? I think that there are like there there are multiple answers to that question, but I'm going to speak from just the flute studio side at this point. I I already said, but I am going to take the blocky certification course this summer. So, we're going to grow some flute classes in the fall, which is super exciting, and I would love to get my ducks in a row and bring in um a collaborator uh with flute as well. Um mm. like another college student like Coleman is and um have her take over part of the flute studio too. I have a waiting list and I, or him, I don't know why I said her could be anybody. <laughs> um, I have a waiting list and I can only take so many students. So I'd love to grow that way. Mm, beautiful. So, anyway, 
Yeah. Um, for me, as Sarah alluded to, I, I've brought on a, a team teacher. His name is Coleman Clark. Um, and I, I spoke to you about him earlier, I think, cause we have that sort of unique, unique teaching dynamic where we, where we do a lot of teamwork together in the studio. Um, so he was the answer to my wait list. So, um, we, we have spent the last year doing sort of an apprenticeship model where, um, he, you know, he's had a lot of like in-studio experience teaching while I'm there. Um, and now sort of the, the whole studio wait list for voice and piano goes to him. Wow. And so... Yeah. So it's really, I mean, pretty sweet gig, right? You graduate college and here's a studio. Wow. <laughs> um, but it's, that has been so fun building out that model. And, um, yeah. and that's, you know, it's another example of collaborative teaching in a, in a very different way than what Sarah and I do. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's been super, super cool to develop that. Um, so that will continue. So this next semester is going to be me and Coleman, my team teacher, kind of getting our footing as far as, now that the studio has expanded and we're bringing on his own students, you know, what does that look like and how do we, how do we manage our time and resources that way? Um, and then after that, I don't know, because we, we are very devoted to this boutique teaching model. We don't want too many students right. because we, we want right. to be able to, to keep it small enough that we can really invest in those students. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's that idea of like, what does growth look like? when you intentionally want to be mm -hmm. small. Mm -hmm. I don't a, know. That's a brilliant point. I love that. I love that. Well, ladies, I cannot thank you enough for sharing this, this brilliant business model. I know you're going to be so inspiring to many teachers out there who, um, who are, are looking for a unique partnership. And, and again, I love the fact that you're working together, you're sharing the load, both good and challenging. Um, and I just want to say what an amazing, what an amazing example you're setting for your students, like, especially mm -hmm. our teenagers and, and well, students of any age, really uh, uh, seeing how you guys are working together and sharing that. And, and, and I guess it's that abundance mindset, mm -hmm. like what an amazing example you set for our, our young people. Do you, do you see, I, I, this is a strange question, but do you, do they get it? Do they see, are they able to watch you two and go, this is cool. Do they know? They might not know. Uh, well, I, if this is the only studio they've been in, they, they probably don't understand that this yeah. model is unusual, right. but I will say I've had several of my students refer to me and Sarah as hashtag friendship goals or hashtag squad goals. <laughs> Which I feel for a teenage girl, that's the pinnacle of like, at a girl, you're doing it right. That's amazing. Okay. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I am, I'm so excited. Now I am going to put links on the podcast page mm -hmm. and in the show notes to uh, your website and if people have questions, uh, would mm -hmm. you be willing to receive any any emails or correspondences from any of the listeners? Would that be okay? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, Sarah, uh, Kristen, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and sharing this wonderful model. Again, I think uh, with technology and all the resources we have access to, this is this is, could be very much a new type of resource and way that that mm -hmm. teachers can take the the isolation out of teaching privately mm -hmm. and yeah. start to collaborate in an amazing way. So, thank you so so oh. much for all of this information. Uh, thank you, Nikki. Yeah, we just, we love you so much. And we're so thankful for you and for the good that you're putting out into our field. I mean, truly for, for independent music teachers, not just voice, right. Our whole industry has changed because of you mm -hmm. and oh, because of the full voice podcast. So we are yes. all, I mean, I know so many people who are not voice teachers. Yeah. Who listen I listen to, you. to your podcast. Oh, wow. Now I'm, <laughs> Now I've, now I've, you have to leave this in too, Sean, leave this in. Oh my gosh. I'm a little, I don't, oh my goodness. I don't know what to do with that information yet. 
Um, well, thank you. Thank you for your support. I mean, that it's so it's it's always amazing to connect with such inspired teachers. And and if anything, I love sharing these conversations because I take away so much. I bring it back to my studio, and I think of um, I think of all the all the years I taught, and I felt so alone. And I oh, felt, yeah. and I struggled for so many years, um, in you know, through and in through many different, you know, variations of my studio and how it changed and how I changed. But I mean, I feel so much more confident because I can connect with teachers like you, and of course, all the te- wonderful teachers we've met in the speakeasy and of course online. So, um, and I just wanted to mention too for the voice teachers from Ye- for Young Singers Facebook group, Kristen is a member in our group. And yep. Sarah, you are more than welcome to join our group. <laughs> yeah. There, you want to drop Thanks. some flute stuff in there. I have oodles of piano oh teachers in there. So I think we need to okay. we need to even it out with some flute teachers. Um, sure. But thank you, ladies, so much. This is a, such a great conversation. And I'm I'm so appreciative yeah. of your time. Oh, thank you, Nikki. Yes, thank thank you. you for having us. Mm-hmm. A very special thank you to Kristen and Sarah for that wonderful conversation and insight on their successful partnership. If you would like to check out their beautiful website, it's sanddollarmusic.com and there is a link in the show notes. Don't forget to check out the 2020-21 Private Music Teacher Planner and Agenda. It's now available on Amazon. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made my canoe music. Canoemusic.ca. So, for no, yeah, well, no, 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 you're totally fine. I would say like like the vocal cavity, yeah, like yeah. not not, not really voice. our no, no, no. So sorry. It'd be really funny to watch a vocalist do that. Oh though. gosh, no, that would be awful. Ooh. See, this is the thing. I'm a singer, and I'm trying <laughs> to use. No, I mean, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, like space. You're right. Mm-hmm. Resonating space. So sorry. Totally true. Thank you. Oh my gosh, yeah. don't let me sound stupid on this podcast. <laughs> oh, catch me. Good night. That's my biggest fear. You can leave that in. Don't edit that out. I want. Oh no, that's out. going in the outtakes at the end. <laughs> Okay, all the shirts are on board, but...